Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Salmon. I have Jim Buchanan from Dozier's Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose. We follow her on Instagram at Mary Lee, L-E-I-G-H Clarkson. Mary Clarkson, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, Eric. I'm happy to be here. It's good to hear your voice. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Tillman Fertitta, through his Fertitta Entertainment Group, announced that he's opening a new restaurant near the Galleria. It is King Ranch Texas Kitchen, which I am describing as a Texas comfort food restaurant that features all of the things Texans love. Steaks, Tex-Mex, barbecue, seafood, uh, agave, agave spirits, whiskey, all of that. And Tillman has tasked former Vic and Anthony chef Carlos Rodriguez to as the executive chef for this new restaurant. Mary, let me throw it to you. What is your first impression of King Ranch Texas Kitchen? Oh my goodness. Um, I think this will please the masses. I would put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely has like a something for everybody vibe and the photos show, you know, a lot of wood, a lot of leather. Uh, obviously King Ranch is an iconic name and iconic brand in Texas and it's not, it's not bullshit. There really is an 800,000 acre ranch in South Texas and just driving through the parking lots of any, you know, mall, Costco, grocery store, whatever, you will see any number of King Ranch edition pickup trucks as a proof that that brand really captures people's imagination. And so getting into the restaurant business with Landry seems like kind of a no-brainer. I think, I mean, the brand is very significant in Texas. Brand recognition, um, I think it'll have a loyal following. As far as recent additions for him, this is a smart one. Yeah, it's rare for, in recent times, it's rare for Landry's to develop an original concept, right? If we sort of think about the restaurants that they've opened here in town recently, it's it's Tillman Buys, Del Frisco's, or Mastro's, or hell, even, uh, even the Palm, and that's how they've been growing their empire. And so this is a little different. This, this really reminds me of Vic and Anthony's in the sense that it's a one-off and it's obviously very important to the Fertitta family to get this right, which is why they've tasked Carlos Rodriguez with this job because when Carlos was at BNA, not that it's not still excellent now, but it was, it was, it was very creative. It was, you know, people who, even people who don't like Landry's and Lord knows I've seen enough of their posts on social media in the last few days, but even people who don't like Landry's are like, except for Vic and Anthony's, right? Like that, that's always the exception. And so bringing, bringing that kind of creativity, that kind of ethos uh, to King Ranch Texas Kitchen, I think is a good thing. I think it's smart. And he, you know, I would say he gets one chance to really make an impression with this. And so he's trying not to make any mistakes by installing a really solid team. So smart move. I'll try it out. I'm willing, I'm willing to try anything once, Eric. Uh, yes, no, we will definitely go there. Uh, one thing, they do not have... King Ranch chicken, the famous casserole on the menu. And I asked Carlos about that. And he said, well, it's not on the dinner menu, 
but you might see it at lunch or brunch. I mean, it's, it is the first question, right? Are you going to have King Ranch chicken? So far, the answer is no, but I think they're getting enough interest from people that they're going to have to relent. Uh, and then my, my, my one other observation is I, you know, I've, I've known Carlos for a long time. And so I tried to, I tried to poke him just a little bit. I was like, you know, this restaurant kind of feels like one part Killen's STQ, one part Pappas Delta Blues, and one part like Good Company Kitchen and Cantina. And he was basically said, look, I, this is my vision of what Texas food is. I don't go to those other restaurants. I don't, you know, but I, I think if you're a diner and you're trying to compare it to other existing restaurants, uh, you know, some combination of all of those things with a luxurious sort of King Ranch sheen, I think that that's going to get you pretty close to kind of what the expectation is. And it needs to execute at a similar level to all three of those restaurants, which I actually, I like all three of those quite a bit. I do too. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to try this with you. Let's see if it's um, one of the handful of Tillman restaurants that I enjoy going to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let us move on to topic number two. Have another new restaurant to talk about. This is Hungry Like the Wolf, an 80s themed diner that has claimed the former beer market co space at Studemont and Washington Avenue. Uh, I talked to Andrew Adams, the proprietor, and he's like, Look, 50s diners are passe, there's no such thing as 50s diners anymore we're going to do an eighties diner. So uh, retro decor outfits for the servers, you know, MTV on the, on the screens, vintage arcade games, Miriam, I'll throw it to you. I, I just think this sounds like a ton of fun. It sounds awesome. I am a child of the eighties, so I will uh, definitely be enjoying this. And it's, it's kind of in our neighborhood. Um, it's not too far away. And I don't know. I kind of think, I think there's not enough diners. I'm, I'm a big fan of Avalon Diner. I grew up going there. Um, that's like kind of my jam as long as well as, um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Buffalo. Um, oh, Buffalo Grill. Yes. Buffalo absolutely. Grill. I'm like, oh my God, how could I forget that? My dear friend, John McAleer owns that. Um, those were kind of the two breakfast spots I grew up going to. So um, I've, I'm nostalgic for diners. So I'm excited about this one. Right. And of course, since this is on Washington Avenue, it has to be, it has to be a fit for the area. So uh, full bar program with cocktails uh, and open super late, you know, not, not quite 24 hours, but uh, until 2 a.m. during the week and until 4 a.m. on uh, Fridays and Saturdays, which is nice if you're in the restaurant industry and you want a sit down meal after you get off your shift. I don't, you know, my, my vision is that, uh, most restaurant workers, when they get out, head straight to the Whataburger drive-through. So this will be uh, this will be a little more uh, comforting and, and a little more polished, maybe than than eating uh, a sad, you know, eating a couple of taquitos in your car. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you're going to the bars or the clubs right now, which I am not, um, for example, Bottled Blonde, you could leave Bottled Blonde and uh, go here and have uh, dinner or breakfast afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but why would you do that? Because Bottle Blonde is a restaurant and they have pizza. And so you would have no need for additional food after eating a meal at a restaurant. 
Um, I haven't been to Bottled Blonde yet, but I don't know that I'd be eating the food there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'll, let, I'll let the audience put the air quotes into what I just said about Bottled Blonde for themselves. I can sort of, uh... <laughs> Considering only one of the two of us is blonde, I feel like um, I get the definitive statement on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will say I have not been to Bottle Blonde. Uh, there was a front page story or not, maybe not a front page story, but a, a, a thoroughly reported story about uh, the various ways that the bars that are operating as restaurants for TABC guidelines in that corner of Washington Avenue are uh, conforming <laughs> or not to the various uh, social distancing requirements and mask ordinances and everything else. So, uh, you know, I talk about being strategic in where I go and who I dine with. Uh, Bottle Blonde is not on that list right now. But I, I let people make their own decisions. Yeah. Um, I want to shift back to Hungry Like the Wolf because Get it. I, I do think it's going to be super fun. And I, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I just, it's, it's such an emotional thing, right? I mean, I remember watching, you know, the Material Girl video and Michael Jackson and, and all of these other things. And so, uh, uh, you know, I can't, I, I, I just think it's going to be so fun. I'm excited. When are they opening? What's their opening date? They're targeting by the end of the year. So maybe sometime in December. Okay. All right. And then topic number three, Kenny and Ziggy's has closed its satellite location in Westview. This is the, this is the one that opened about four years ago. And the reason I talked to Ziggy Gruber about this, the reason he, he alluded to this when he was on the podcast a couple months ago, which is that it's, it was too small for social distancing that, that once he sort of, you know, with the requirement to maintain six feet between tables, he sort of looked at it. He thought he could get six or seven tables and that was not enough to be profitable. So uh, that location is gone. Of course, the one on post Oak is, still flying along and we'll be relocating down the street uh, sometime early next year. Um, Mary, have you heard about, have you heard about any other restaurants that are having difficulty because they're just like not physically big enough for social distancing? I mean, yes, I'm not going to speak, you know, about people that aren't ready to say it, you know, but if you're a small restaurant, what's so charming about Rice Village is these older buildings, you know, that you've been going to your whole life, but they're typically like Helen's, for example, I would imagine is narrow and skinny, right? It's like a shotgun um, rectangle space. So what once was so charming because it was small and intimate becomes very pro problematic and troublesome. Um, I've seen restaurants like Prego in the Rice Village do a great job of doing an outdoor patio um, situation that is really working for them. Um, and that's great, but patios are still weather dependent. We're fortunate that we're not on the East coast and everything else, but I, I really feel for small restaurants that don't have a patio space because you're going to need that to be able to offset some of the lost revenue in your dining room. And it, and it still may not be enough, you know, but at least, at least people are trying to reinvent as we progress during this crazy year. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that second, that second Kenny and Ziggy's, you know, no outdoor seating, uh, a very narrow dining room, which I actually liked. I mean, when it opened, it had this kind of intimate vibe. It really felt like eating in New York. Uh, and it just, 
but now it's just not practical. So unfortunately uh, it's gone. And, and, but I, you know, Ziggy said, he'll, you know, if things, if things improve or when things improve, he's open to reconsidering operating in that neighborhood. But uh, for right now, if you want your uh, pastrami sandwich or your uh, sliced locks or your, uh, your blintzes, you got to go to the original on post hope. So good. Honestly, the food is so good. Absolutely. Mary, that does it for our news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Today's podcast is brought to you by Ranch Rider Spirits. Forget hard seltzers. There is a new canned cocktail available in the Houston market. Trust me when I say you are going to want to try these. Ranch Rider Spirits is an Austin-based, real canned cocktail made with premium spirits, sparkling water, fresh-squeezed citrus, and not a drop of added sugar. Plus, they're gluten-free and have 6% alcohol by volume. The three flavors include Ranch Water, Tequila Paloma, and the Chilton. Whether you're out on an adventure, relaxing by the pool, or just looking for something better for you than a seltzer, Ranch Rider Spirits is the can to grab. Available at local liquor stores, including all specs, twin liquor locations, and select Total Wine, Liquor Depot, Goody Goody Liquor, Pinkies, and Cactus Liquor locations. For a full retail list, visit ranchriderspirits.com. Mary, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Handam Barbecue. This is a Korean barbecue restaurant on Beltway 8, just north of Bel Air, uh, which I still call Chinatown. I know, I know Asia Town is kind of the more uh, politically correct and uh, geographically correct designation because uh, obviously we're talking about a Korean restaurant. So there's a lot more than Chinese restaurants along that particular stretch of Bel Air Boulevard. But uh, the colloquial name is how it is commonly understood. And so that is my preferred designation. Uh, Mary, let me just throw it to you. We had a pretty epic feast at Handam Barbecue. What did you think? I thought it was incredible. And it's been a long time since I've had Korean barbecue, obviously, because, you know, group settings, not really our thing. We went early and uh, it wasn't crowded when we were there. Um, So it was nice to kind of have a uh, small, very small group, just three of us, but uh, dining experience and i thought the food was spectacular and it was so much fun yeah i you know i'm always a little bit skeptical of korean barbecue hot pot you know all of those kind of restaurants uh i don't like to cook for myself in a restaurant setting that's it's like that's that's what i'm paying you for that's what the money is for yeah so from the very start the nice thing about hand and barbecue is that they do the cooking for you um, and then we ordered a combo C and I wrote this down because I didn't want to miss out on any of the things that this comes with. So for $110, you get thinly sliced beef belly, prime ribeye, boneless short ribs, Colby marinated short ribs, marinated pork, pork bulgogi, premium pork belly, along with egg custard, creamy corn, and kimchi stew, and a, just a whole ton of banchan, all the little kimchi and all the other little pickled things that are make the Korean barbecue really fun to eat. And then we, uh, not realizing how much food we had just ordered, added a cheesy kimchi pancake that we, uh, we really enjoyed. 
do you have, do you remember having a favorite meat or two from that epic feast we devoured? Oh my gosh. Um, I think, was it the ribeye? Uh, what was, what was the cut of steak that you, myself and Michael enjoyed the most? It was at the beginning of the meal. Uh, yeah, the, the ribeye was early on. Uh, I mean, those, you know, I mean, anytime I go to Korean barbecue, the, the marinated short ribs are always a, a personal favorite because they're, you know, sort of sweet and sour. Um, and they, that marinade really takes really well to the, to the grilling process. And I like that it's, uh, I like that it's charcoal, right? They, they show yeah. up with a, they show up with a, a bucket full of charcoal and dump it into the grill on your table. And uh, it's, you know, instead of gas, which can leave kind of a weird odor, but is more common. And, uh, you know, I just, I, w- I was impressed. I mean, the, the server who cooked our meat for us had a really good sense of the amount of time. And then the other thing about Korean barbecue is that sometimes, you know, they don't, the marinated meats are obviously seasoned, but the, the other meats are not. And sometimes that can make them a little bland. But there's so much banchan that comes with the meat. So you just sort of, you know, you use your chopsticks, you get a little, you get a little piece of cabbage or you get a little cucumber, you get a little whatever, and you eat that with the meat and it elevates the flavor of the meat. And it's just, it's such a winning combination. And, and I guess, I'm sure that's a very common practice that just no one had ever explained to me before. Yeah, I thought all the kind of like side accoutrement really helped enhance the flavor of some of the meats that could have otherwise been very bland. Um, but honestly, the even the, the noodles that we had, um, the side dipping sauces, everything was incredible. I think we probably had, what, 20 plus um, sides? To shoot. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, everything from, you know, kind of a classic kimchi to uh, two different salads to uh, those fried mushroom patties. The mushrooms uh, that I call amazing. Uh, yeah, just a, a very satisfying meal. And that's it's a really fun way to dine. I, I had sort of, it like just like you, it had been a long time since I'd had that kind of experience. You know, I won't, I won't proclaim myself to have dined at an extensive number of Korean barbecue restaurants, but this is definitely rocketed to the top for me. And it is a place I would happily go back to. Me too. I really enjoyed it. Like I was... I was very excited to go there that night, probably unreasonably so, but um, I would I would go back again, and I thought the service was great. Our particular server did such a good job of making that experience um, stand out. She took really good care of preparing everything for us. Yeah, and we got to drink flavored soju. That was awesome. <laughs> did you have Did you have a favorite flavored soju? Uh, I like the strawberry. Whatever, I'm like a five year old on the inside, so strawberry was awesome. Yeah, I had the I had the peach, which I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, I guess I'm in touch with my my inner five year old too. <laughs> Love it. All right, Mary. Before you get out of here, uh, you are riding high after a successful wine dinner with actor Kyle McLaughlin. Yes. What is next? <laughs> what is next for Avondale Food and Wine? Okay, so coming up in November, uh, Beaujolais Nouveau is always the third Thursday in November, so November 19th. We're going to do something a little different um, this year. Instead of just doing Beaujolais Nouveau, we're also going to be pouring all 10 crews from Beaujolais. Um, So that'll be exciting. It'll be very comprehensive. Um, More details will be on our website uh, later this week. And then coming up in November, we will also have a Steve and Jill 
Matthiasen, um, two of my favorite California uh, winemakers and just amazing human beings. Uh, that will be in November as well. We're finalizing a date on that. But Steve and Jill, to have a chance to interact and speak with them, they're um, two very widely respected people in California, and um, I'm excited to have them. Yeah, uh, I am not uh, very knowledgeable in the wine world. It's why one of the many reasons I value your presence in my life. But even I have heard of Matthias and wineries. I know that is a, a particularly cool and trendy winery. Yes. So we're excited. So that's what's, that's what's shaken in the next month or so. All right, Mary, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And I'll be right back with Jim Buchanan. I am joined this week by the pitmaster at Dozier's Barbecue in Fulcher. We can follow him on Instagram at jbuchbuch013. Jim Buchanan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing this. I, I always like to kind of start at the beginning of people's careers. I mean, when I met you, you, you were working at Papa Charlie's Barbecue, but how did you how did you first develop an interest in, in barbecue and in, and in making that uh, part of what you do for a living? Uh, um, I, I, I've always enjoyed cooking. Uh, you know, like, like, like a lot of guys that get, uh, that are in commercial barbecue these days, they start off cooking in their backyard. Um, you know, I had a, uh, I have a bit of a competitive fire uh, and uh, uh, my, my brother-in-law suggested to me that I, enter a barbecue cook-off that he was participating in. So I said, sure, why not? Um, went and did this barbecue cook-off, had a blast, uh, did pretty well, and decided that I was going to be a competition barbecue guy. Uh, and that, that's really what kind of fueled my, um, my progression into the world of being a professional cook. Yeah, so how many years did you spend on the barbecue circuit? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> around a decade. <laughs> that's a lot. And yeah. and I guess that's that must be how you met uh that must be how you met Wes cuz I know he was a a competition guy too. That's exactly how I met Wes. So what were you doing kind of before you started working with Wes at Papa Charlie's? Um I was a serial entrepreneur as I like to tell people. Uh I had a couple of small business interests. Um none of them were uh food 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 and beverage related. Um you know, I'd never had any experience other than working at Whataburger when I was in high school, uh, in, in, you know, in the service industry and, uh, what was going through some life changes, uh, Wes, uh, had gone through some life changes, uh, and decided he was going to, uh, buy a trailer and sell barbecue for a living, uh, texted me and said, Hey, I'm going to, going to sell barbecue for a living out of a trailer. What do you think? And I said, sounds great, man. I'll come hang out with you on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll drink beer and smoke meat. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just, you know, doing competition barbecue is not exactly a cheap venture. Um, you know, it's almost impossible to win back uh, as much money as you put into it. Um, this was really an opportunity for me, for me to continue doing uh, what I really, really enjoyed doing, what I had a passion for, uh, while hanging out with a good friend of mine and being at a bar where there is beer and uh, beer and other uh, activities. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. So, I mean, we could say you, you kind of started to develop your own style that 
sort of deviates from uh, sort of the orthodoxy of Central Texas barbecue. What what do you think? Kind of how well? How would you describe your style? I guess we'll we'll go from there. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm very heavily in, influenced by Central Texas barbecue. Uh, you know, uh, uh, one of one of my very close friends is John Miller from the uh, uh, Louis Miller family. Um, you know, and I, I've cooked with John quite a bit. Uh, and John, you know, he's, he's about as old school syntax as it gets hammer it with high heat, lots of salt, lots of heavy black pepper. Um, and, and that was just, uh, that was to my liking, you know, it, it, it fit what I like to eat and it, and it really turned into, uh, a, a methodology for me. It's something that I've embraced and carried on moving forward. Now I, I no longer cook central Texas style barbecue, um, because I'm at Dozier's, which is more of a Southeast Texas style, um, but you know a lot of a lot of the things that I learned from John and that I practiced uh, when Wes and I were cooking together at Papa Charlie's um, are things that I've carried forward um, into where I am now. Yeah, I, I I mean I definitely want to spend a lot of time talking about what you're doing at Dozier's, but just you you went out on your own, right? I mean you you started Buck's Barbecue Company, yeah, and then you uh, you were down in Galveston for a little bit. I mean what was uh, what was it like kind of operating on your own or 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 I guess we'll be a little more specific. I mean, the, the Galveston thing didn't, unfortunately didn't last very long. What do, what do you think it was that kind of, uh, that kind of prompted that or, or why don't you think it maybe caught on the way you were hoping it would? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, uh, I, I've been to Galveston a lot, you know, being from the Houston area, you know, everybody goes to Galveston and spend some time down there. And I really like the Island. Um, I, I didn't, I don't think I really had a, a clear understanding of, of how provincial, um, Islanders are, uh, you know, they're, they're not really all that welcoming towards people that are from the outside. And, and there was this perception that even though we were taking over a restaurant that the, 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 the previous owners were, were trying to get out of, uh, there was a perception that, you know, we, we came to the Island, we were outsiders and that we basically ran the, uh, former operators out of the business. And you know, that just wasn't accurate at all. Um, I mean, Colleen and I, you know, we, we, she quit her job. Um, you know, I, I, vacated the 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 following in houston that i'd worked so hard to try and build uh and we moved to the island and it just it, it just never really it never really caught on we got a lot of critical acclaim but you know the, the the locals just weren't all that embracing yeah it's a it's such a tricky thing i mean there's that whole that whole boi thing that kind of dominates right. uh life down there and and i know i know it's just it, it just feels like it can be really hard to break through and and I, you know, you were taking over. I mean, I, I'd been to uh, Farley Girls, which was the, the operator that you sort of took over for and, and liked it just fine. But it's not like that was like some outstanding restaurant. I mean, you know, there was definitely room for improvement. Yeah, I, you know, and that's and that's really what we were trying to do was not. I wouldn't say that we were trying to improve on what the, what the girls had done at, at Farley Girls. Um, you know, their 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 menu was solid. Their food was good. Um, we were just trying to take to 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 put a new spin on it. Um, you know, keep a lot of uh, the most popular items on their menu. Uh, try to put our own little touch on it without deviating too far from uh, how they had presented it, but also adding. Um, you know, Central Texas barbecue themes, um, adding some more comfort food stuff, uh, and really trying to uh, bring bring a barbecue fusion um, to you know to the people on the island. Uh, and, and you know, it, it, some people really liked it. Some people were opposed and wouldn't even step foot in the doors. Uh, it was just one of those things. 
All right. So let's let's talk about let's talk about Dozier's. How did you come up with this opportunity, or, or how how did you how did you become involved? Because I mean, we should say Dozier's has been around for more than fifty years out in Fulcher. Yeah, Do- Dozier's was uh, founded in 1957 by Ed by Ed Dozier and his brother Ugg. Um, in 1984 or 1985, he sold it to a couple of guys from the Fulcher area, Scott and Smedley Evans. Uh, they ran the place for 34 years. Uh, the guys that now own it uh, purchased it April of 2019. Uh, neither of them are restaurateurs, uh, but they're you know very successful businessmen who had uh, an affinity for Dozier's because of you know having come here for years and years and years and years. Um, they reached out to me. They were they were uh, turned on to me by some people that that they know that I know. Um, literally the day after, uh, we announced the closing of Bucks and Galveston, um, they reached out to me and I, I, I was really, um, uh, kind of reeling from the closure of Bucks, uh, not really sure what I wanted to do or if I wanted to continue doing barbecue. Uh, so it took me, you know, a few weeks to, to give them the courtesy of a return call. Um, and when I did, you know, I had a very positive and healthy conversation with them about what their plans for the for Dozier's were and what they were trying to accomplish. Uh, and it interested me enough to you know, uh, agree to come out and spend some time with them uh, in the store uh, and listen to them in greater detail. And uh, it just, it, it made sense. Right. So, so what about it made sense? Because like you said, there's a, a difference between, you know, having your own place and, and having your own recipes you know, taking over a place with an existing customer base and a flavor profile and a reputation. Yeah. Uh, so I have some experience taking over a place with an existing uh, flavor profile and an existing <laughs> customer clientele. Um, and, and, you know, I, and I like to, I'm not, a, I'm not a particularly smart man, but I think I'm smart enough to realize that when you, when you make some mistakes, you should try not to make those same mistakes again. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, coming into this deal, uh, Dozier's was an establishment I had, um, uh, you know, I had some fondness for, uh, I went to Katy High School, which is not very far away. Um, you know, so I, I we we had come to Dozier's. I was familiar with it. Um, I had a fondness for it, and it it, it really just uh, it really just presented to me an opportunity to um, take something that had existed for uh, a, a great number of years uh, and had such a um, established reputation and try to make it better. Um, without really changing it, um, uh, you know the, the owners were uh, the, the owners were uh, interested in trying to add some of the more um, uh, non-traditional barbecue stuff that I that I uh, am known for, uh, and I wasn't really interested in that. I, what I was really interested in was the opportunity to just focus on traditional Southeast Texas style barbecue. Uh, and try to make the best traditional Southeast Texas style barbecue that we're capable of making. Right. So, so for people who, who kind of understand the central Texas aesthetic, you know, Oak wood offset smokers, you know, heavy salt, pepper rub. Um, what, what is different about Southeast Texas style? What, what will they experience at Dozier's? Yeah, so Dozier's, uh, you know, we're, we do not cook over oak. Uh, uh, Ed Dozier cooked over pecan, and that's a tradition that's carried forward. Uh, pecan is similar in flavor profile to oak, but it's a little more sweet. Um, uh, you know, the rubs are uh, not straight salt and pepper. There are some other things in it. Uh, I, I, I tell people that it's um, a little more um, savory 
in profile than anything else. So what's it been like for you to kind of tweak what you do to adapt to pecan wood and changing your seasonings and, and how are people sort of responding to your blending kind of what you do with what uh, Dozier's does? Oh, well, the response has been very positive. Um, you know, when I first started cooking barbecue and even when I was doing competition uh, early on, I was using pecan uh, just because of the flavor, uh, a flavor that I really enjoy. Um, as far as the, the spice profile, uh, this is not really my spice profile. I mean, it's it's Ed Dozier's spice profile that I've made very subtle changes to just to try to uh, balance out the overall profile, um, you know, so that people that are accustomed to a more modern style of barbecue are a little more receptive. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, I think of you as kind of doing, well, I mean, you know, you mentioned that you have, you kind of have a reputation for experimenting and, and we've joked about it being called Goofy Q. Um, mm-hmm. You've kind of put that away. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I, and I was pretty vocal about it when, uh, when we announced that I was uh, joining the team at Dozier's. Uh, you know, I was vocal about leaving Goofy Q behind and, and just focusing on traditional barbecue, um, you know, trying to uh, uh, not be the guy on the cutting edge anymore, just embracing the roots and really focusing on that. Um, I, I have done a little bit of Goofy Q stuff at Dozier's, um, mostly at the urging of uh, guys that have followed my career for a long time. Um, and, you know, it was it was received fairly well. Um, but, you know, the people in this market who weren't really familiar with me and my background didn't really understand it, which is what I thought would happen. Um, so I basically have just said, you know, uh, we're not going to do this anymore. Maybe at some point in the future it will make sense. But for right now, we're just not going to. We're going to focus on the core offerings and just, uh, you know, continue trying to make it the best we can. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we, you know, I was there uh, this Sunday. You had you had a pitmaster party with some some guest mm-hmm. cooks and and you did the pumpkin spice brisket, which is, you know, something you've been fooling around with for a couple of years now. And, and that kind of makes sense to me, right? In a, in a pop-up environment with some guest chefs. And it was, honestly, it was a really nice occasion because all the barbecue people that I see at, you know, events we can't go to right now, like the Houston Barbecue Festival, everybody came out, you know, to, to eat meat and take pictures and hang out in a, you know, outdoor environment, uh, respectfully, socially distanced and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that, that kind of makes sense, but, but, you know, it was like a, you know, we're going to do a Butterfinger brisket every Friday. Like, I, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think that's, that would just confuse the hell out of me. Oh yeah. Yeah. The people out here just don't, I mean, that, you know, they don't understand it. I, there, there are some things that we've some, some, some very, very subtle changes that we've made uh, that people don't really, you know, they don't, they don't really grasp because again, yeah, you know, Dozier's has been here since 1957 and it's basically been done the same way uh, year in year out since then. What are you getting the most pushback on? Uh, so I, I, I uh, just within the last couple of weeks, we, um, uh, changed the, uh, menu format and, and did away with, uh, one meat, two meat, three meat plates, uh, and transitioned to more of a traditional market style, uh, barbecue menu where everything is priced by the pound all the sides are a la carte. Uh, we've gotten some pushback on that until you explain it to people that, Hey, look, there's a lot of variables involved and it's almost impossible to cut exactly a half pound of meat. Um, so this allows us the opportunity to, um, you know, uh, uh, basically customize your tray, uh, and make sure that, you know, we're capturing revenue for, for every, for every bit of food that goes onto your plate. The biggest pushback I got was, uh, people were not accustomed to, 
uh, brisket that was cooked to proper doneness, meaning that, uh, you know, it's pretty tender. Uh, and they were used to having brisket served to them that was sliced very, very thin um, because you had to slice it thin or else it wasn't going to be tender. So, you know, you have a tender, you have a tender brisket that's properly cooked. Uh, you have to slice it a little bit thicker, you know, quarter inch, three inch, three eighth inch slices. And people were not used to that. They were like, I need you to slice that thinner. <laughs> I'd look at them and say, <laughs> I, if I slice it any thinner, it's literally going to fall apart. Um, you know, I mean, it just, just bear with me. This is going to be very tender. It's not going to be something that you chew on like a piece of jerky. Uh, and, you know, it took a while for folks to come around, but they have finally, they finally embraced it. Uh, and, and we don't really have any issues with that anymore. Yeah. I, and I think what's sort of helpful for people who aren't used to, you know, give me a half a pound of this or a half a pound of that is, you know, I've started just being like, give me a slice of brisket, give me two pork ribs, give me a link of sausage. You know, instead of trying to think about it by weight, I just think right. about like roughly the amount of food I want to order. And so it's, you sort of, you inevitably wind up building your own three meat plate that way. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, during the, during the, op, during the lunch service, I typically will rotate back and forth from the, the, the cold sides portion of the serving line, which is the first step in the process down to the cutting block. And when I'm working the cold sides, people walk up and I'll tell, and I'll talk to them and they'll say, well, you don't have plates anymore. And I say, no, I don't. We'd, we'd taken them off the menu. Everything is priced, uh, a la carte now. However, I can build you a plate. You just have to tell me what sides you would like, what meats you would like, and then we'll talk about the quantity. Um, and it's very helpful, you know, to have a cutting block that's in public view where the scale is right next to the cutter. So you can, if the, cut, if the person says, I think I want a half pound, well, you slice a half pound of brisket and put it on the scale right there in front of them. And you can say, is that going to work for you? And that gives them the opportunity to say, yeah, that's perfect. Or no, I think I need more than that. Right. Uh, and the answer, I mean, brisket is so rich and, and fatty and delicious that generally uh, a half of like, don't, don't try to take down a pound of brisket by yourself, especially if you're ordering other meats. That's my only advice for people. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, uh, I, I have I have seen people take down a pound of brisket um, and other proteins and sides, um, and it's an impressive feat because I know for a fact I can't do it. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I I consider myself to have a pretty hearty appetite, and I and I don't even really want to do it. Um, yeah. And then I guess just you know you're doing. I mean, you're doing other meats too, right? You're doing pork ribs. You're doing a couple of kinds of sausage. You're you're doing turkey. I mean. Um, are those also in the Dozier style or have you been able to kind of put more of your spin on those? Yeah. So the sausage is still the Dozier style. Uh, we've created two new sausages that were not, uh, previously in the Dozier's repertoire. Uh, but Dozier's has been producing very, very good sausages for a very long time. Um, and I, I, am one of those guys that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, so why, why would I come in and try to change something that was working really, really well? Uh, we have in our, uh, in our meat market, we carry seven different styles of sausage, um, uh, on the barbecue side. Uh, when I got here, they were only serving one style, which is a traditional German style beef and pork blend. Um, and it, you know, I, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of strange that, uh, a meat market that produces so many different styles of sausage was only serving or only offering one style of sausage over on the barbecue side. So we've changed that uh, during the during the week uh, on weekdays. We offer two different styles of sausage, uh, and then uh, on the weekends, uh, Saturday and Sunday, I'll have three styles of sausage available over on the barbecue side, and it's kind of a rotating uh, uh, a rotating menu for that stuff. 
Yeah, and you've been able to play around with some sauces too. I mean, you 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 know you have the regular Dozier sauce, you have kind of your barbecue sauce, and you have this really killer mustard that's. Uh, well, I, I didn't try it with the brisket, but it was good with everything else. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a um, it's just a, a traditional mustard. Um, I, I I had it on the menu at Bucks. Uh, I brought it here, but I only offer it. Uh, really, I was only offering it to people uh, who were ordering sausage and boudin. Um, and, uh, you know, there, uh, there's a particular guy who came through about a week or so ago, uh, who, who liked it so much. He, uh, uh, uh had some very flowery words to, uh, offer about it. And now we've got a lot of people coming in and asking for the mustard. And I guess it's something I'm going to have to offer everybody now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that, that man who offered flowery words was, uh, Daniel Vaughn, the food, the uh, barbecue editor of Texas monthly. Uh, I mean, you're kind of having a media moment right now. I mean, you know, Allison Cook was in uh, a couple weeks ago. Daniel Vaughn stopped by last week. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, is it do you do you feel like you're kind of ready for the increased attention, or uh, is it benefiting the business? Oh yeah, it it, it had a it's, it's had a, a remarkable effect on the business. Um, you know, we were already starting to trend upwards uh, just based on social on the social media push, um, but you know, we've gotten now uh, so much media attention. Um, over the last, I just say last two or three months that, uh, you know, we have people driving in from all over the Houston, the greater Houston area. And in fact, we've had visitors coming from the North part of the state now. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're definitely ready for it. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't new to me. We got a lot of media attention to Papa Charlie's. We got a lot of media attention bucks. Um, you know, it, it, it is, it is unique for, for, for me to have all of this attention all at the same time. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you just keep your eye on the, you keep your eye on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, prize and just keep pushing forward. Um, you know, we're focused on making sure that we put out the best product that we can day in, day out. And that's what we're going to keep doing. Yeah. And, and I'll say for anyone who, you know, like me as an interlooper and maybe intimidated by, you know, Fulcher just sounds so far away. It's a really easy drive. It's basically a straight shot down the West to the end of the West Park toll road. Uh, you go another couple of miles down uh after the the highway portion ends and you're and you're there i mean it's a you know it's basically a half an hour especially on the weekends it's not like there's any any traffic on the west park yeah uh it really is um you know it, it, with the west park tollway now shooting right off of 59 uh it does make for a pretty easy drive and it's not that bad coming out i-10 either now that they've you know finished all, all of the expansion work out on out on katie freeway um, I think it's, uh, as the crow flies, I think it's about 31 miles from downtown Houston. Um, but, you know, on the weekends, it's, it's a pretty nice drive. Yeah, and this is kind of the right, you know, this is the right time. I mean, the, the fall weather is here. It's cooled off a little bit. Uh, you guys have some picnic tables under, uh, I'm going to screw this up. Are those pecan trees that were out there? Those are actually oak trees, and they're very, very old oak trees. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of shade, um, a, a really comfortable environment. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of feels like it's, it's kind of coming together for you. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I, I tell people this quite often. And in fact, I told you this, I'm pretty sure the last, uh, the last time I saw you, um, and, 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 you know, things don't always happen the way that we would like for them to, but they happen, they, they tend to happen the way that they should. Um, and you know, we, we're, we're in this position, uh, by circumstance, but it's a really, really good position. It's been a great fit for me. It's been a great fit for Dozier's. Uh, and I'm really, I'm really happy with what's going on here. Yeah. So do you have kind of future plans or, or, you know, how do you see this evolving over the next six months to a year? 
Yeah, we do. We do have, uh, you know, we have a very, very defined plan for the, the uh, continued development of Dozier's. Uh, Fulcher is the fastest growing city in the United States with a population over 10,000. Um, uh, you know, it's it's uh, bedroom communities popping up all around us. Uh, we are on uh, literally on the verge of uh, building a uh, patio seating area uh, on the north side of the building that will seat. Uh, once we get back to full dining capacity, we'll seat about 130 people um, with limited dining capacity, uh, you know, and six foot table restrictions. Uh, we can still we can still get 60 or 65 additional people on the patio, plus the 13 picnic tables that are under the oak trees. Um, and that is specifically geared towards uh, all of the families that are um, buying houses out on this side of town um, who don't really have a lot of um, outdoor uh, relaxed dining options. Uh, that's something that we're really specifically targeting, you know, Friday night dinner, Saturday night dinner. Um, and, uh, you will uh, almost certainly see, uh, a limited brunch menu from us, uh, for Saturdays and Sundays sometime within the next six months. Uh, yeah. I mean, that all sounds very exciting. Yeah, it really is. It, it really is exciting. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the future. Well, uh, I mean, Jim, that kind of brings me to the end of my questions, unless there is some other aspect of Dozier's you would like to discuss. No, I think, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about the barbecue side of it. Um, it's, it's, I think it's important to not lose sight of the fact that Dozier's began as a grocery store, and we are still a grocery store, albeit we're now a specialty grocery store, meaning that we don't have, you know, uh, everything you'd find in an HEB or Kroger, but we do have some convenience items, uh, but we've really chosen to focus on uh, locally made products. Uh, you know, we also have a full meat market with higher end quality meats. We carry all 44 farms beef. Uh, you know, we're adding some Duroc pork product. Um, and, uh, you know, let's not forget about the wild game processing side of it uh, now that deer season is upon us. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's deer season. I mean, that'll be going uh I mean, roughly 24 seven, right? I mean, that's kind of how that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're all, I mean, you know, yeah. Both seasons started uh, the first weekend of October and we're already uh, getting, um, you know, daily drop-offs from hunters who've, uh, who've taken a buck or taken a doe during uh, archery season. And it's just going to get, uh, it's just going to get even busier. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five right. easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Jim Buchanan, what is your favorite ingredient? Salt. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Def Leppard. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. McDonald's. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, George Springer. And then finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Pepperoni. Solid. All right, Jim, give us the website and social media for Dozier's Barbecue. Uh, website is Dozier's, D-O-Z-I-E-R-S-B-B-Q.com. Uh, social media, all platforms at Dozier's BBQ. Jim, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.